0: What is happening, everybody? It is almost time for another UFC slate. Weigh-ins just finished a little while ago, and now I'm about to be breaking down the slate using the data and tools we have at Stochastic.com. I've already got lineups built out here in the Sims tool, so we will be going over the exposures I have as I break down all the fights here. Only thing I ask of you to come in is to like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and if you guys want a really good deal to make yourself some money, sign up at BetMGM I'm using the link we have below, because when you do, The first $5 bet that you place over at BetMGM, they pay out $158 in bonus bets. This is the easiest money that you can make this weekend. It's a deal that they're doing in advance of the Super Bowl. So take advantage if you haven't already because it's it's free money, guys. It's $158 in bonus bets. Minimum deposit of $10, you place one $5 bet. doesn't matter if that bet wins or loses. They're giving you $158 in bonus dollars. If you or anybody know has a gambling problem, call or text the number 1-800-GAMBLER. So let's start breaking down the card here. We've got the main event, Roman DeLidze taking on Nassar Dean Imavav, And I favor Imovov to win. I'm picking him to win the fight. But for DFS purposes, I think there's a lot more upside in the DeLidze side. And that's for a couple of reasons. First off, Imovov is just not the greatest fantasy scorer in the world. He's not a very active wrestler. He only lands one takedown per 15 minutes. He also doesn't strike out all that high of a rate. 4.55 significant strikes per minute. So even though i'm picking Imavov to win i think that a score from delidze would be more significant to win for him plus he's $1000 cheaper so if i go ahead over here and look at the exposures that i have in my initial run of lineups here i've got delidze in 42.7% of my lineups whereas i have emovov in 32.7% they're expected to be about equally owned in our projections we got both of them right around 30% ownership so uh, it's it's not one where I feel great about the win odds for Dalidze. Once again, it's just that I think that if he wins, he's going to score better. He has a grappling advantage. He has a power advantage. It's just that he's not quite as well-rounded of a fighter. But if we go ahead and we look at some of the recent results from Dalidze, you can see here that pretty much all of his wins in the UFC, they've been by finish, particularly his recent ones, and they've been high-scoring victories. So his fight against Jack Hermansen... Dolidze got the crap beat out of him in the first round. I had a bet on Hermanson in that fight. I'm thinking, all right, great. This is going perfectly early. Then all of a sudden, we get into the second round. Hermanson lands a takedown. Dolidze's able to reverse position, ground and pound, gets himself a finish against Phil Hawes, first round finish against Kyle Doukas. First-round finish. He did have the fight against uh, Loriano Staropoli where not all that much happened and went to decision. he landed land five takedowns. He also landed three takedowns in a win over John Allen. But what's most important to me here, there's more finishing upside in Roman DeLidze, and he's considerably cheaper. So pretty much any win from DeLidze is pretty live to put him in an optimal lineup, whereas... Nasruddin Imovov, not only does a win not guarantee him to be on the optimal lineup because he'd have to outscore a whole bunch of the fighters in the high end as well. It's a loaded high end because there aren't that many underdogs I feel great about on this slate. So picking Imovov to win, but I'll be higher on to Lidze for DFS purposes. Co main event, I love this fight. It should be a banger. Hainato Moikano taking on Drew Dober. There is a lot of odds value on Moikano. There's been a ton of betting action coming in on Moikano, who's now close to a minus 200 favorite. With that said, I do think the line is a little bit wide. If you guys remember for UFC 297, which ended up being a really good card for me, I ended up coming in second in the $3 on DraftKings. All the bets I post in our Discord channel, they all won. And one of the players, or I should say, one of the fighters, I was really high on for that card was Jimmy Flick, and it wasn't because I was super confident in Jimmy Flick winning. It was more because there was so much line value on the on the other side of the fight, where it was uh, I'm trying to remember what was the final line. I think Gordon finishes like a minus two thirty favorite over Jimmy Flick, and I just didn't agree with the betting line. I thought it was much closer to a 50-50 fight, and that's kind of how I feel about this one as well, whereas Hainato Moicano is the more well-rounded fighter than Drew Dober, but is very chinny. We've seen him knocked out multiple times. He gets hurt in a lot of his fights, and Drew Dober, his chin is about as solid as it gets. We did see him get knocked out by Matt Favola, but outside of that, it is nearly impossible to hurt Drew Dober on the feet, and when you look at Moicano, you see that he was knocked out by Fazayev, he was knocked out by Jose Aldo, he was knocked out by Chan Sung Jung. It's a concern, the durability of Hainato Moicano, and that is where I think that if Drew Dober wins, he's going to score really well. And on the other side of Moicano, well, I don't think he's live to knock out Drew Dober. I don't think that's a very likely outcome. We have seen Drew Dober submitted before, and Moicano is the much better submission grappler. So if Moicano is able to get this to the mat, I do think he's very live to get himself a submission from that, I mean, we've seen uh, Islam Makachev submitted Drew Dober, also took him down three times. We saw Benil Dariush take down Drew Dober a couple times and ended up submitting him. So that's the path to victory for me for Moikano. He's probably looking for either submission or for this fight to go the distance, maybe as some wrestling grappling success. But Drew Dober, if he wins, I do think it's probably going to be by knockout. So uh, Drew Dober is in 42% of my lineups right now. Moikano in 39%. It's a fight that I have in more than four-fifths of my lineups. Whoever wins, I do expect to put up a pretty good score in this fight. I lean a little bit more towards Drew Dober, who is cheaper and is also expected to be lower-owned. The next fight that we have to talk about here is one that I don't have as much interest in, Randy Brown against Muslim Salakov. Here's the main reason why. Salakov fights at a very slow pace. He only lands 3.37 significant strikes per minute, and in almost all of his fights, he gets his opponents to fight at his pace. So, Salakov, his career high for significant strikes landed in a fight is 63 against Loriano Staropoli. But look at what he does to his opponent's offense. 86 significant strikes landed by Nicholas Dalby is the most that we've ever seen surrendered by Muslim Salakov. Other fights. 17, 38, 39, 46, 42, six significant strikes. It's just this kind of really low output against Salakov that really makes me question the kind of upside that there is in this fight. You know, it's anybody can get finished early, and Salakov is definitely an aging fighter. He has power in his own right as well. But it's hard for me to bank on a first-round finish. And if a first-round finish doesn't materialize, I think the most likely scenario here is that Randy Brown fails to pay off his price point. And then Salikov, the fight gets into the third round. He just doesn't put off enough... He just doesn't put up enough output to score well. So um, not a fight that I view as being a very appealing one for DFS. Same with the fight between Natalia Silva and Viviani Araujo. And Natalia Silva is a fighter who I really like for real life. I think she's a future title challenger. But the problem with her is that while she does strike at a decently high rate, she does not finish a lot of her fights, and she doesn't wrestle. So now we're looking for a fighter who's super expensive, right? We're looking at her as one of the most expensive fighters on the card. So if she is to be in the optimal lineup, we're probably going to need something like 115, 120 fantasy points for Natalia Silva, and nothing about her fights suggests that that's an outcome we should expect. Against Andrea Lee, a fight where Silva looked great on the feet and largely dominated, She landed 70 significant strikes, nothing else. Against Victoria Leonardo, she did get a first-round finish in that fight. Leonardo, not UFC-caliber fighter. Against Teresa Blado. we saw Silva get a third-round finish, but only 45 significant strikes landed. And then against Jasmine Jazz Vicious, she does land 96 significant strikes, a couple takedowns. But none of these scores are ones that I look at and feel great about getting out of Natalia Silva. And the overall data here suggests that she's not the fighter with the highest upside. I strongly favor to win, so I'm not interested in playing Araujo in lineups. But I do question the upside of Natalia Silva, and there are a lot of fighters on the high end with finishing equity or a lot of grappling upside that could potentially score well. So the lineups that I have built here, I landed with Silva in 0.7% of lineups and Araujo in 07 So. Out of my top 150 projected lineups, one of them have Silva, one of them have Arujo. It's my least favorite fight to target on the entire slate. By the way, also, if you guys want access to the Sims tool that we have for MMA, you can sign up using the link we have below. It's been really, really helpful for me in my process, especially making sure that I'm not playing lineups that are expected to be duped really heavily. It's a big reason why the two slates that I've played this year using our Sims tool, which is the only two we've had since it's come out, I came in first to $3 and came in second to $3. So I've been really happy with the results so far. Uh, next fight here, it is Alishkabab Kizriev against Mahmoud Mordov. And a pretty interesting fight. And it's one that I think has a good amount of upside for DFS for different reasons. First off, we haven't really seen Kizriev's striking tested a ton to this point. He is a younger fighter in his UFC career. We've only seen him fight once in the UFC, and that was a submission win over Dennis Tuolulin, who has no real wrestling or grappling defense. And then when we saw him on the contender series, this fight lasted less than a minute before he earned himself a submission there. So we haven't really seen him tested on the feet very much. And Mahmoud Mordov is somebody who has a ton of power in his hands and could certainly end up hurting Kizrayev if there's extended exchanges on the feet. We are seeing Murdov come off a fight where he did knock down Brian Barbarina twice and also took him down 13 times. If there's going to be wrestling in this fight, I do think it's going to be Kizreyev that has success. And in addition to that, he looked as in shape as I've ever seen him on the scales today. Not that that's the end-all be-all. There is a fight that I'm going to talk more about the weigh-ins in a little bit here. But uh, it is at least giving me a little bit of a vote of confidence in Kizriev's ability to push a pace and wrestle for 15 minutes considering the condition he came in with. And then on the other side with Mouradov, he has some of the best line value for any underdog on the slate. And it's really hard to confidently pick any underdogs for this card. So Mordov has a good amount of win equity. He also has some finishing equity if this fight does take place on the feet. Whereas Kizrayev, I do think, should be looking to land takedowns. And the limited sample size we have of him in the UFC does land 5.77 takedowns per 15 minutes. So I view this as a pretty good fight to target. Uh, let's see, where did I land on my exposures here? So for my exposures, I have... Kizreyev right now in 27% of lineups. I'm actually pretty inclined to do a positive ROI boost and upgrade him so that I get more of him in my lineups. One way you could customize your lineups in our Sims tools is do an ROI boost, and then you can upgrade or downgrade individual fighters that you like. So I, I might want to get myself to more of Kizreyev because 27% is probably less of them than what I want. And as far as Mahmoud Mordov, he is currently showing up in... Yeah, 18.7% of lineups. So it's a fight that I am I do feel I'm a little bit underrepresented in my initial build. It's one that I want more exposure than what I currently have, but still do currently have it in 45% of lineups. I'll probably be closer to like 60 or 65% by the time the slate actually starts tomorrow. Next fight here to break down, we have Gilbert Urbina taking on Charles Radke. And Urbina is a fighter that I do favor in this matchup, mostly due to output. We saw Charles Radke make his UFC debut against Blood Diamond, Mike Methetha, and Mike Mathetha is not a fighter who belongs in UFC. He got cut after this fight. He's a super low output kickboxer. He has no real background in wrestling or grappling. So the game plan we've typically seen with people who've gone up against Blood Diamond is you just take him down and the fight's over. But Charles Radke was not really able to land takedowns against Blood Diamond. The fight ended up stalling on the feet. It ended up being in the clinch a lot. It sucked. It was a terrible fight to watch. So, I, coming off that, I rate Radke uh, fairly poorly as an overall fighter. And I'm not sure he belongs in the UFC. Gilbert Urbina is not the most talented fighter in the world, but he could put a pace on people. Landing 6.33 significant strikes per minute. He also lands 3.96 takedowns for 15 minutes. Considering Charles Radke just struggled to take down Blood Diamond and also looked very tired at the end of that fight when they went again. Well, both of them looked tired. Both Radke and Blood Diamond looked tired in that fight. I don't trust his ability to keep up a pace for 15 minutes. I don't have those concerns with Gilbert Urbina. So as far as players... are. I keep saying players. Fighters. on the. That's what happens when I'm trying to do breakdowns for a million sports in one individual day here. As far as the high upside fighters that we have on the high end, Gilbert Rubin is definitely one to have in the player pool. Radke is not an underdog that I have all that much interest in for this card. Next fight here, Molly McCann against Diana Belbita. And this is a fight that we've actually already seen take place and why they booked it as a rematch. I don't really have a great answer for that. The last time they fought, look at the scorecards. 30-25, 30, 25, 30, 25, 30 25. It was not remotely competitive, but a few years later, we're getting the matchup again, and I don't really expect it to play out all that much differently because Belbitza and McCann, while they have both made minor improvements, it's not like they're entirely different fighters than they were when they first fought. This is going to be Molly McCann's first time, I believe, fighting at 115 pounds, and she looked great on the scales. I thought that uh, she looked in good shape. It's not like she looked like she was really sucked out or anything like that to cut the extra 10 pounds. This is a good matchup for Molly can we've seen it taken place before McCann landed 113 significant strikes five takedowns. She had three and a half minutes of control time in that fight. So Molly McCann another one on the high end that I really do like getting to for this card and considering we've already seen this fight play out and I don't think it's going to be all that different Bell beats is not a fighter. I really feel inclined to get exposure to McCann is one of my most rostered fighters in my initial build. I have him 43.3 percent of lineups and she's not expected to be all that popular. Only projected for 22% ownership in our data here. So Molly McCann, an upside target that I like, who I think is going well overlooked by the field. And we see that pretty frequently with some of the women's MMA fights. Uh, Jasmine Jazz last week wasn't all that popular. I wasn't crazy high on Jazz but I was about even with the field. And then obviously my best lineups ended up containing her. But that's something that we see pretty frequently. The field doesn't love playing the expensive women's MMA fights. And Molly McCann is somebody who is a very good DraftKings scorer when she wins. So uh, my preferred side of this fight by a mile. Next one here is Azat Maksim taking on Charles Johnson. And Charles Johnson gets the exact same matchup for all his UFC fights. And it generally goes poorly for him when he fights these chain wrestling type fighters. Against Rafael Estevam, Charles Johnson lost. He won the third round of the fight. The first two rounds, though... Estevam was just able to push him up against the cage, control him, get takedowns, rack up a lot of control times. What was his final control time in that fight? Yeah, we saw Estevan, nine and a half minutes of control time out of a 15-minute fight. That was what got him the win over Charles Johnson. Johnson was also taken down 11 times by Cody Durden, three times by O'Day Osborne. He was taken down 12 times by Mohamed Mokayev. And even though Moxham didn't have the best showing in his UFC debut, he fought Taysan Nam. He got the win. He went 2 of 11 on takedown attempts. So, on one hand, you look at that and you'd be concerned about Maxim in certain matchups, not one against Charles Johnson, who we have seen wilt when you do put a wrestling pace on him. So, when I look at the numbers from the matchup that maxim had against nam what's most encouraging to me is that even though he failed on takedown attempts he kept trying if you were going to attempt 11 takedowns on charles johnson you're going to end up getting a few of them you're going to get a lot of control time because once charles johnson does get taken down he doesn't always have the best get up game so maxim i think is live for a submission because of the amount of takedowns he's going to have in this fight and he's also a much better submission grappler than charles johnson but even if it does take place on the feet i don't think johnson's all that superior of a striker so uh, the one fight that I've played, the one bet that I've placed so far for this card, it is Maxim on the money line. He could be had for minus 210 right now at FanDuel. So that's my favorite bet on the board. If I have more bets that I like throughout the the rest of today or tomorrow, I'm gonna be placing them in the Discord channel. You do get access to our Discord when you sign up for a stochastic membership. Let's see what we have next. Here we have a few fights, and this is another one that I'm pretty interested in. Themba Garimbo taking on Pete Rodriguez. Whoever wins this fight, I do expect to score really well because we know Garimbo's game plan. He is going to shoot for takedowns, and he's going to shoot for them quickly. He lands 3.47 takedowns per 15 minutes, only 1.8 significant strikes landed per minute. So what happens is in his fights, Garimbo does not want to fight on the feet. He has a questionable chin. He's been hurt before in the past. He's been finished on the feet. And he just doesn't take any chances when it comes to messing around on the feet. So as soon as rounds start, he is shooting for takedowns as quickly as he possibly can. And in a matchup against Takashi Sato his last time out, ended up going pretty well for him. We did see him land uh, three takedowns, also at 11 plus minutes of control time, at two reversals in that fight as well. So here's how I think the fight plays out. Garimbo is either going to land takedowns and just control Pete Rodriguez for the majority of the fight, or... Pete Rodriguez is going to knock out Garimbo early on in one of these rounds if Garimbo isn't able to get himself some top control time because Pete Rodriguez, in the limited amount of time that we have seen him fight in the Octagon, super high output on the feet, and we know that he has big power as well. The numbers are misleading due to the sample size, but still 10.37 significant strikes landed per minute does imply that Pete Rodriguez is somebody who is throwing a whole bunch during the time that we do see him on the feet. So far, we've seen him fight against Jack Della Maddalena and... He did land 25 significant strikes in about half a round against JDM. He got knocked out, but that's a brutal matchup to have in your UFC debut. And then uh, kind of the inverse. He got the easiest matchup possible in his follow-up fight against uh, photographer Mike Jackson. Ended up knocking him out in the first round of that fight. So big power on the Pete Rodriguez side. And this is one that I want to play both sides of. I'm overweight to each of them at the moment we got Garimbo in 40% of my lineups where he's projected for 31% ownership. And then as far as Pete Rodriguez goes, I currently have him in 28% of lineups when he's projected for 21% ownership. One of the fights I like targeting the most, and Pete Rodriguez is one of my most exposed punt plays on the slate. Moving on here, a few fights left to talk about. And uh, another one here that I don't have all that much interest in, in uh, Jung Yong Lee taking on Blake Builder. The biggest issue that I have with this fight is that it's not expected to finish inside the distance. It's minus 110 to finish under two and a half rounds. And Lee doesn't keep a very high pace, lands 2.39 significant strikes per minute. Blake Builder doesn't have poor output metrics, landing 4.96 significant strikes per minute, but neither of them shoot takedowns. And the other problem too I have with Blake Builder is that he's coming off a fight against Kyle Nelson that was terrible. He didn't do anything. Kyle Nelson didn't do anything. So the final stats, Nelson wins by decision. He lands 59 significant strikes. Blake Builder lands 45. So it's really hard for me to trust that Blake Builder is going to be able to put on a big pace over the course of 15 minutes. We have seen him land 111 significant strikes against Shane Young, but Shane Young does run himself into a lot of punches. And then in the one fight that we saw in the contender series with Blake Builder against Alexander Morgan, He only landed nine significant strikes and about half a round there. So this is another fight that I have some exposure to, but it's not really a priority for me. It makes its way into some lineups just because of it being priced in the mid-range, but I currently have Builder in 14% of lineups and then Lee in 24%, and that's a number that I'm inclined to cut down on so that I'm getting less of exposure to this fight in general. Uh, One of the least appealing fights on the slate, in my opinion. A few of them left to talk about here. Three fights left. We have Luana Carolina taking on Julia Stoliorenko. And Carolina missed weight by three pounds today. And one of the reasons I waited as long as I did to record this video is I wasn't sure if this fight was going to happen or not because Carolina missed weight by, like I said, three pounds. And then Stoliorenko didn't agree to the fight. She had said, I will fight Luana Carolina, but she has to lose one more pound. And Carolina did not look great on the scales either, which is. To be expected when a fighter misses weight by three pounds. And I did think it was partially strategic by Carolina because there's really only one path to victory for Stolioranko. She has two wins in the UFC first round submission over Jessica Rose Clark and a first round submission over Molly McCann in her last fight. That is Stolioranko's path to victory in all but one of her career fights. It's armbar or bust fur, and it's almost always coming in the first round as well. So Ranko is going to look to wrestle. And I think what Carolina did there was she said, hey, I want to be a little bit more sturdy for my takedown defense, and I think she strategically was trying to miss weight for the fight, and then Stolyarenko not accepting the fight at first did make her get back on the scales, made her force herself to cut more weight, which I think is going to be an issue for Carolina. And overall, I think that this is a fight where Stolyarenko is probably going, if she wins, she's going to score very well, probably with either a first or second round submission, but if she isn't able to land the submission... She's live to get knocked out herself because if you look at Orenko's losses now, she got KO'd by Chelsea Chandler. She did have a decision loss to Alexis Davis, submitted by Julia Avila, and then also uh, decision losses to Yana Santos as well as uh, Leah Letson on her record. But we have seen her in about half of her losses. She does end up getting finished in them. So Orenko in most of her fights, she either finishes her opponent in the early going or she doesn't and she gets finished in the later stages. So good fight to target. Because of how poor Luana Carolina looked on the scales, I do lean more towards the Stoliorenko side. Let's see, what is my current exposure? Yeah, I do have her in 32.7% of lineups, whereas Luana Carolina only making herself into 4% of my lineups right now. Uh, I'm, I'm probably going to get a little bit more of Carolina by the time tomorrow rolls around, but my definite preferred side of the fight is Stoliorenko, who does have more high upside because her path to victory is typically early finishes couple more fights to talk about. The next one is Landon Quinones against Markel Medeiros. And this is a fight that's really hard to know what to make of because of the limited data that we have on each of these fighters. I was fairly impressed with Landon Quinones in his UFC debut. He took on Nazrat Hakperas, which is a very, very big ask for your UFC debut. And while he did lose, and let's see, what were the scorecards for that fight? He lost 30-27, 30-27, 30-27 on all three judges' scorecards. Look at the pace he was able to keep up. We saw Quinones land 148 significant strikes, 152 strikes in total. Not a lot of fighters are going to be able to keep up with that kind of pace on the feet. Whereas if you look at the numbers that we have here on the Madero side, Madero's the only time that we've seen him was on the contender series and he got a first round finish where he ended up landing 24 strikes in that fight. So just because we've seen a little bit more out of Quinones and we've seen him fight better competition in Nazareth Hackbreast and looked fairly decent in that matchup as well. I'm going to pick Quinones to win and it's one that warrants some exposure to on both sides, but not going to be a really high priority fight for me to uh, target personally. And the final fight on the card, we've got, well, actually the first fight, but final one for me to talk about, Thomas Peterson taking on Jamal Pogues. It's a heavyweight matchup. Pogues isn't a heavyweight. He really should be a light heavyweight, but uh, he's not in shape, and he doesn't like cutting weight, so he's fighting at heavyweight. And Thomas Peterson looked terrible on the scales. So we have two guys here, Jamal Pogues, who has not come into his last couple of fights in shape, not looking in shape on the scales today either. And Thomas Peterson appeared to have no muscle tone on the scales today either. It's a heavyweight fight, so I do think we need to have some exposure to it just because of the volatility of heavyweight MMA. Thomas Peterson is going to my preferred side of the fight because I'm confident that he's going to look to wrestle in this fight. Jamal Pogues, as a light heavyweight, was somebody look looked to wrestle. As a heavyweight, he has not looked to wrestle thus far. And what we have seen out of Peterson, he does land 7.34 takedowns per 15 minutes. So it's uh, likely going to be a very sloppy heavyweight fight to open up the card, but oftentimes those do end up scoring well, so... Unfortunately, it's one that we're kind of forced to get some exposure to because of the potential upside, but it's uh, not a fight that I'm looking forward to watching. I think it could be uh, really messy, really sloppy. If it gets into the third round, God help us all because it is going to be an absolute mess with neither of them having any cardio left that is going to do it for me, guys. Thank you very much for watching. If you haven't done it yet, like the video. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you want to sign up for the MMA Sims Pack we have at stochastic.com, use the link that we have below. Like I said, it has really helped me in my process. You could build lineups in the contest generator that we have in here. Then you could simulate them, and then you make any alterations to those lineups using our ROI boost. If you have any questions, hit me up below in the comment section. Or if you're a Stochastic sub, I'm going to be in the Discord channel tomorrow leading up to the fight. So good luck this weekend, guys, and see you back here next week.